Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Kisisa Sheni, the second Aliyah in Pasha's Kisisa. It is an exceptionally long Aliyah. It runs from the end of Perik Lamed Aleph, Pasagir Ches, to Lamed Gimel, Pasagir Aleph, for a total of 46 Psukim. Um, the reason it is so long in tradition is because it is structured in such a way that a Levi, a person of the tribe of Levi, should get this Aliyah, because the hero in this Aliyah is Levi. So the parsha is very much lopsided towards the beginning. Most of the following Aliyahs are very short. The first two Aliyahs are exceptionally long. Let's take a look at a basic overview. We'll address some of the major issues in the Aliyah. Obviously, we'll not be able to get to everything, considering the size and scope of this Aliyah. So we were, we told, we were told about the fact that after Matan Torah is finished, Moshe Ben receives these Luchos Evan, these two tablets of stone. And we then hear that the people are aware of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is delayed in coming down from the mountain. And they turn to Aaron, they ask him to make Kuma Sedanu Elohim, make us some sort of God, it sounds like, um, because Moshe is no longer here. And Aaron um, um, asks them to take their um, their rings, which are made of gold, and the rings of their children and their wives, and give it to them. They immediately do so. He takes them, he puts them into the into the kiln, and in fact, out comes a a golden calf masecha. And they say, "Ele Elohecha Yisrael Asher Elucha Meretz Yisrael." These are your gods, O Israel, who took you out of Egypt. Um, Aaron sees what's happening and he says, let's make an altar tomorrow for a Chag Hashem, a festival to God. And they and they get up early the next morning and they start sacrificing. Meanwhile, we now shift to on top of the mountain where Moshe Rabbeinu is and Hashem says to Moshe, Lech raid Your nation has sinned, go down. They have very, very quickly veered from the path and they made an Egel Masecha. And, uh, and and have already um, called it their gods. So Hashem tells Moshe that he's going to destroy this people, at which point in time Moshe Rabbeinu can't really go down. He has to defend the nation of Israel, and he pleads, he supplicates in front of Hashem, and says, why should you get, why, why would you do this and bring us out of Egypt, and Egypt's going to say, that it really that, uh, that you wanted to kill them, that, that you couldn't take them out, you couldn't take them through. Remember the covenant of the forefathers, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu is able to um, suspend. Hashem agrees not to destroy them immediately. In the meantime, now Moshe Rabbeinu is able to leave. He goes down the mountain. He's carrying these special tablets, these two tablets. They have the engravings, the writings of Hashem on them. And he meets Yahshua, who's the earliest, who's encamped the highest up the mountain. And Yahshua says to him, what, what's going on? They hear this, the, they hear this, the sound of the people and... And uh, he and Yahshua says, perhaps there's there's war. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ein kol kvura, ein kol This is not a sound of war, of the fighting, of the success or loss of war. And they come. This is they come down. They see, in fact, that they are they are dancing around this egel, around this golden calf. Moshe Rabbeinu immediately throws or lets slide the the luchos, these tablets. He breaks them at the bottom of the mountain, and he takes this egel. He bur- he, bur- he melts it down grinds it into powder and he throws it into the water supply and then he brings the whole people and he and he, t- and he asks Aaron what happens Aaron explains um, 
that he was put in this situation. He had to try to try to do the best he can. He explains the whole backwards and forwards. Minda Moshe goes then to the end of the to the front of the camp, and he calls me Hashem who is to Hashem with me and the children of Levi. This is the reason why we read this this all in this Aliyah. The children of Levi came to him and they went through the camp and they killed those who were the perpetrators. Um, even perhaps even if they were related to some of the Levim as well. Um, and uh, then at this point in time, Moshe Rabbeinu then turns to Hashem and he says, this people have really have sinned terribly, really terrible, terrible sin. Um, please bear this and if not, remove me from the, your, your book. And that's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is erased from Tetzaveh, according to many of the Mephoshim based on this comment. Um, and Hashem says, no, though he who sinned will be erased from my book. And Hashem makes the proposition that, you know what, I'm going to... Uh, um, I, w- I want to restart or destroy the nation, and uh, and I will restart with you. Moshe Rabbeinu refuses this proposal, and uh, and uh, and we we hear about the fact that Hashem says that He's going to take the nation into the land of Israel through a malach, through an angel. He's going to uh, delegate it to another agency. Um, they've lost the, the people are in a terrible state of loss, um, and Moshe Rabbeinu now representing Hashem takes. His, uh, the presence of Hashem essentially to his tent, which is outside the camp, where he replants his, 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 his tent. And people see that Hashem is with Moshe in that place. And they, there's, a, there's a, gr- a great sense of remorse as they see and they understand that Moshe Rabbeinu has removed the Shekhinah, the, the divine presence, to outside the camp to his tent. Um, very, very profound and very disturbing aliyah. A lot to think about. So when considering this episode, of course, we cannot go through all the granular details, but it's important just to get general senses of what's going on over here. The first thing that we need to consider is a few questions. Is First of all, it's unclear if the word Eloi Kim or, um, is referring to Hashem that they want to, be, they want to, to make, or Elohim, which is referring to a deity. Not so clear. It also doesn't, it's not clear, clear what uh, you... Um, it seems that there seems to be some sort of service of this eagle. They do seem to be doing something to it. Um, what also is curious is that their the request is directly related to the disappearance of Moshe. They say because Moshe is not here, we need to make this. So how is this a supplanting of Moshe? It also seems that Aaron is not the available candidate. So they don't ask Aaron to be this leader that they're looking for potentially, um, even though Moshe is absent. Also, Aaron seems to be proactive. He tells him to get the gold. He makes the festival. You know, it seems that he's somewhat involved in this, which seems strange. Um, another thing to notice that about this is that only 3,000 men out of the 600,000 are actually killed, but the nation is threatened by being killed. So there's the immediate perpetrators in the outer concentric circle of people who felt held responsible. Another thing to notice is that when the blame does come out, it seems to be that the Jew, it's for the Jewish people for the involvement. But there's also an accusation of Aaron um, and uh, that, that he was involved as well. Those are generally text issues. If you look at the greater context, another few pointers that are important to consider are that the Jews are right after Sinai. They're 40, 41 days after the Sinai experience. We also notice, notice that Aaron becomes a Kohen Godel afterwards. So he, um, he seems to be actually inducted back in after this whole episode. So what do we make of this? How do we understand this? Rashi takes the approach that the nation of Israel were asking for Avodah pagan worship. Therefore, the name Elohim means to say they want a deity. They're at the very beginning, they were asking for some sort of deity. Aaron was trying to stall them, as we famously know, which is why he asks them to get the gold from their wives, knowing the wives would have a better sense of things. But nonetheless, they took off their own gold, which sort of sidestepped that, 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 that delay. And the Erev the, Rav got involved in sorcery, and they were exacerbating the problem with creating this golden calf. 
Um, and therefore, it, uh, it, it was the Maaseh Satan. There was a, a lot of sorcery which was going on, which led this to this, which is why Aaron um, Sam, it was, uh, tried to delay it further by making the festival the next day, hoping that Moshe Rabbeinu would come down in the meantime. The advantage of Arashi's approach is that Aaron, um, um, Aaron is, is, um, is not able to, be, to play the role of the Egel because they're looking for a deity, which is why Aaron is not nominated. The other advantage is this explains the severity of how the whole nation was threatened with destruction. This is real Avodah right after the, the Sinai experience. The difficulties in Rashi's explanation is that why should the uh, need for Avodah stem from Moshe's disappearance? If they wanted Avodah it should be independent of Moshe Rabbeinu's being there or not. Number two is, how could Aaron actively be involved? So Rashi says, he explicitly answers this in saying that he saw that Chur, who had tried to get involved was actually killed, thereby realizing this, um, Aaron is very, very concerned for his own life. The Ramban and Ibn Ezra ask, but surely Avodah Zorah, pagan worship, is what, uh, what's called a Yarog Val Yavor. A person should pay, put their life on the line. And the answer that perhaps is given on, in, on Rashi's side is that he wants to take the blame himself rather than let the nation be killed, which is a very noteworthy sacrifice as well. What's difficult also in Rashi's understanding is the greater context is how could they do this so close after Sinai? Were they not listening? Do they not get the point of this? What is going on? Um, so the, the other extreme in terms of interpreting this is really an approach by the Rabbi Seno Harishonim, the earlier commentators on the Torah, Rav Yosef Bukhar Shor, the Chizkuni, the Daasakainim, a line they said that Jews were not looking for pagan worship. They could not be possible in the context in which we were in. They were asking for a leader. They no longer had Moshe, they wanted another leader, and they needed an oracle to be able to know what the divine wanted to lead them in this case. Um, and Aaron did not want to appoint one of the leaders of the nation because there were problems of power. When Moshe would come down, would that person now be, uh, be unseated? So um, he, he didn't want there to be a breakage in unity in two nations of Israel. The sin, and the sin was that they still made a You can't make any form of image, um, uh, even as a divine agency of sorts as well. So the pros, the advantages of this approach is explains why this directly relates to Moshe Rabbeinu's disappearance. And this explains why Aaron would be more available, willing to get involved. It's also easier to understand how they could do this right after Matan Torah. This wasn't Avodah Zarah, this was a vacuum of leadership, of spiritual leadership. Um, however, the difficulty is, is that why couldn't they have asked Aaron? I mean, Aaron is, of course, the next in line. Why would he, 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 he not be chosen? He's the Kohen Gadol. Um, also, the severity of the chait, the severity of the way that the sin was treated is very difficult to understand this context because in the end of the day, and they're stated for destruction. If it was a leadership issue, that seems like it's a little bit severe. So we really see two extremes painted by the Rishonim. Rashi, on the one hand, says it's polytheism, paganism. On the other hand, the other Rishonim say it is a, 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 a lacking of leadership. However, there are mid middle approaches. So I'd like to explore two middle approaches. One is the Ramban, and the other one is the Kuzari and the Ibn Ezra. So the Ramban says that they weren't, they started off, they were looking for a leader, but not just a president. Aaron could have filled that role. They wanted some sort of sp something with a spiritual capacity to navigate them through the desolation in the wilderness. So I knew that something that would be a, 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 a symbol that would be able to be an expression of the divine that would lead them through the Mishkan. When he goes on to say, explain Kabbalistically why the form of the Egel, the Egel in fact was on the throne of Hashem on the left side, which represents north. North is the, the direction of, of, of Shima'on, of destruction. And that's what they were going through. They're going through deserts, which is why they chose the icon on the throne, which would be the divine agency through which they would be able to navigate through destruction. And the Jews really believed that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to do this. But when Moshe Rabbeinu was not here, 
They now said that we need to have this power or this divining oracle, which is Hashem Elucha Meretz Mitzrayim, which is going to help us navigate us through here. And that's why they, the, the reason they were punished is because in the end of the day they transgressed the creation of a Masecha, of, of making a, a graven image, even perhaps purely intended, because it went over the handlebars by those being served by Avodah in a very similar way. The Ibn Ezra, the Kuzari, say a very similar thing, that, uh, that the nation of Israel, you know, just had experienced this incredible experience of the divine, they, they really saw the celestial experience, but now they wanted to have some sort of divining agent to take that experience and make it tangible, because it was too big, too hard to explain and put into words. They said, let's make a way we can take Sinai with us, let's make a way that we can take this divine experience and make it on a day-to-day basis, and they take it and they try to do it in such a way. However, um, in the end of the day, they still transgressed it by by making this um, this this image, and the reason why Hashem told them not to make an image was not because it's immediately Avodah Zarah, but because it leads to Avodah Zarah. So at the beginning, whether it's Ramban's idea of oracle, or whether it be a way of tangibly connecting to the Mishkan experience, to the to the um, Sinai experience, in the end of the day, it was misappropriated. It was uh, inappropriate to be able to make an image when Hashem did not give them the go ahead. In fact, Hashem said, "Do not make the image." That was the first thing He said after Aserah Sadebros is Loisa Soniti. Um, is don't try to replicate what you saw on high, and that ultimately leads to Avoda Zara. Uh, it's interesting that the word Avoda Zara means strange service, so it can start off being as Avoda Zara, service of God, which is strange, and then ultimately turns to Avoda Zara, um, service which is pagan, and that's what the command is. Creativity without bound is what's going on over here, which is why the it is interesting that Hashem recognizes this as a very important issue in the nation of Israel, which is why the command of the Mishkan is either a rectification or, or um, of this idea, or perhaps was what Hashem intended at the beginning as well, is Hashem knew they needed a tangible expression of the Shekhinah, the divine among them, and they just preempted it in the wrong and the incorrect way. They used gold in the incorrect way to create this. As well, it is worthwhile noting as well that there are other individuals in Tanakh who use this or perhaps make the same mistake. As an example, Nadav and Avil, the sons of Aaron, who want to serve Hashem, but they want to serve in, in, in an inappropriate way. And they do it at an inappropriate time without permission. They are killed because they try to serve Hashem, but in the way that isn't appropriate. It's interesting to notice that later on in, in history, there's an individual called Yeravam ben Nevat who breaks away, um, secedes from the union of the nation of Israel, creates the northern kingdom of Israel with most of the nation of Israel, and in order to prevent the secession or the, or the reunification of the north and the southern kingdom, creates Egle Zaha, golden calves, which is fascinating. You know, the one thing the Torah seems to be very adamant is not a very good idea. He makes the, the north and the south of his of his border. And Rabbi Chaim Angel, one of my teachers, points out a very beautiful thing, and that is, is that what he's essentially doing is he's doing the same thing. He's create, create a service of God through his own creative way. He it started off creative service of God, but it ultimately devolved very, very quickly into real Avodah into real paganism, which was the problem over here. So it starts off well-intended, ends up being Hashem knows human nature better than humans know human nature, and it turns into real paganism. It's interesting to note that the sons of Yeravam ben Novot was Nadav and Avia, which was actually named his sons in the same way that of the inappropriate curiosity or creativity without divine consent that none of you expressed coming back to the Chaita Egel as well. As all, well. this is a very powerful perspective and it helps us understand 
we'll call it the very close, very fast degeneration made through bad choices. Finally, what, how could Moshe Rabbeinu break the luchos? Did he have the right to? The Gemara actually says that he was um, he, he was he was actually given credit for for breaking them. How could he break the God-given token of the expression of the divine upon earth? The answer the Mishnah says is that they were empty of kedusha. Nothing has inherent kedusha of inherent value, but they were contingently holy, which meant that it was based their holiness was based on the relationship to the nation of Israel. When Israel had checked out, they were no longer involved and invested in that relationship. The holiness disappeared; it evaporated. The letters disappeared, leaving behind just shards, as he says. These were empty pieces of material which fell to the ground in their heaviness because there was no spirituality holding them up as well. So Moshe Rabbein, this is this is a very important thing to think about when it comes to shuls, when it comes to holy places. In the end of the day, the holiness is contingent, contingent upon our willingness to have that relationship as well. Finally, one last question, and that is Mila Hashem Eli. And there's, there's a story told about the Chavetz Chaim, where we met a young boy, when he was this boy, was an eight-year-old boy, came down and sat down with the Chavetz Chaim in the early, uh, early 1900s. And the, he asked this boy, he said, are you a Kohen? Are you a priest? The boy says, I'm not a priest. He says, why are you not a priest? Well, he says, well, my father's not a priest. He says, why is your father not a priest? He says, my father's father wasn't a priest. The boy started to get uncomfortable, and the Chavetz Chaim says, well, I'll explain to you, I'm a Kohen. The Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael was a Kohen. And he says, the reason why... I am a coin is because many, many generations ago, when Moshe Rabbeinu stood at the gate of the camp and he says, Mila Hashem Eli, my great-great-great-grandfather listened to that call and your great-great-great-grandfather did not listen to that call. He says, make sure to this little boy, he says, Yingle, next time you hear the call of Mila Hashem Eli, make sure you're ready. Turns out that that little boy was Rav Shimon Schwab and he always lived that way of his life. In fact, in his frontal closet, he had a special case, he had a special suitcase ready to go for Mashiach when you'd hear that call based on the Chavetz Chaim story. Mila Hashem is not a call that only certain people hear. Everybody hears it, just not everybody is willing or, or ready to be able to, to act upon those calls in life. We should always be able to be ready to hear those calls. With this, we conclude the second alley. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.